I started practicing Islam in 1999 with my first Ramadan fast, but I didn't set foot into a mosque for nearly 10 years because I was terrified. Terrified because I had no idea what to do. I didn't look the part. I felt like an imposter. I had so many questions and no one to ask them to. But once I saw my religion as a practice that I could hone, one that I could get incrementally stronger in with each day, I took the first scary step into the mosque, and it was there that I started to connect to my faith and my confidence grew. It's not by accident that I've created a community called A Daily Practice. I share the story of how I came to embrace practice in every aspect of my life and what a difference it has made for me. Baby steps, my friends, they're magical. Let's go. if you know this about me, but I grew up, as you know, in Iowa, and I grew up Catholic. And when I was in college, I worked for the Catholic Church. I then came to Massachusetts and was involved in a church here. And then I met my husband, who is from Pakistan, and so thus was raised and was Muslim. And converted to Islam in 1999. And for those that are familiar with the Islamic religion, it's very similar. Actually, all religions, all religions have this concept where it is not just the religion, it is the culture. And how do you learn all of those things? As we are growing up in a religion, we do things because that's what we're supposed to do. And so we learn them little bits by little bits. But when you start something new as an adult, it's hard. And I really grappled with the enormity of trying to understand all the tenets of a new religion and why do we do this and why do we do that? And my husband was of no help because he just did it because that's what you do, right? It's like a habit. So in my journey, I was in an interfaith book club called The um, Daughters of Abraham and I'll put the link of that because they have um, book groups all across the country. And those are groups made up of women who are from the Abrahamic faiths. So they are Jewish, Muslim, and Christian. And they really work to understand everyone's differences and similarities through books. So yada, yada, yada. One night, one of the, whatever our topic was, I asked a question of one of our members who was a rabbi at a local temple. And I was like, why are all these religions, why do they have all these rules? Like, why do they have all these things that we have to do? 
kind of like keeping kosher, keeping halal? Why do we, as we walk into a room, say this? And when we walk out, we say that. Why are there all of these edicts, right? All these things that we have to remember to do. And she said, when you build the practice, eventually the faith will come. And I will never forget that. Like that just gave me goosebumps. And I will tell you, that was the beginning of a daily practice, even before years and years before I opened the doors to my community. But that is the concept that if we do all the things, eventually the faith will come. So in my own story, even though I was, I had my first Ramadan fast, which we start fasting for Ramadan this year, um, this week. My first Ramadan fast was in 1999. And in that year, it was in December, which I will tell you is a much easier time to fast, but that's a side point. So I was doing, kind of going through the motions of the religion. I was praying my prayers with my husband, but I did not know what I was doing. I was really a copycat. I was just kind of doing what he was doing and so forth. And this went on for several years. And really, I needed to learn why I was doing the things that I was doing. I needed to learn how to pray my prayers by myself and not have to just follow the leader, so to speak. And I knew one of the things that I had to do was to go to the mosque. And that was terrifying, was terrifying to go into a place that I did not look like anyone. I did not dress like everyone. I did not speak the language that most of them spoke. I did not know what I was doing. And once I got through the front door in the mosque that I was going to at the time had a separate entrance for women, I had no idea what was beyond that point. And since men go to one section and women go to the other, I didn't have my husband to be my guide. And he wasn't of any good. He's never been in the women's section. He didn't know what was on the other side. And I put that off for a very long time until finally I decided I had Zane, who was three, and I was like, I'll just take him. <laughs> I'll take him, and that will connect me with other women who have small children, and I'll just attend to him, and I'm going to sit in the back so that I can just watch what everyone else is doing, and I will get dressed in the part, and I will, I will just sit in the back, and I'll figure this out. I'll just watch what everyone else does and I'll just do what they do. And and again, it was still terrifying. And 
you know, there's times when I think that I stuck out like a sore thumb. I still do. I don't, I do not fit the mold, so to speak, of what people think of, of Muslim women in their minds. I do take the responsibility very um, seriously of there's so many, there's so many women that I work with and there's so many women that I meet um, and men too, who've really never met a Muslim person. And so I try to be, you know, to answer as many questions as possible. But when I, back when 14 years ago, I couldn't answer any questions. I had all the questions. I had no idea what I was doing. But I went on that same idea of what the rabbi had said. And I knew that if I just kept doing all the things, if I kept exploring, if I kept finding a new person to model after and to ask my questions of, that I would get to the faith, that I would find that connection with, in this case, the practice was around my religion and my faith and my spirituality but the same goes for anything. So that's what I want to talk about today, which is this idea of developing a practice to get you to connect with yourself or to others or to your body, to your mind, to your spirit, and starting from scratch because it can be terrifying and not necessarily terrifying. I will say it was terrifying. Like going in there, I really, I'm like, where do my shoes go? Like if you've ever been to a mosque, you go in, you take your shoes off, you go to this place, you do um, a prayer when you uh, enter, you wait until they do whatever they're doing and then you do the thing and you pray there and then you do prayers after. And then it's like, well, are we done? Where do I go from here? It was, I was, I was dazed and confused, but I did it and I went back. And before this, I was waiting for the perfect time. I was waiting till I would find a friend who would go with me who would to show me how to go. I said to my husband, when your sister moves here, my husband's family was working on their um, immigration. I was like, when they emigrate, then I'll have her take me to the mosque. And that was my perfect solution. I'll just wait. I'll just wait until she gets here. And my husband was like, she doesn't go to the mosque. (laughs) She's not going to know any more than you're going to know. And I was like, well, crap. Now what do I do? But I found some friends and I asked the questions and I went to that book club every month with a million questions and a million ideas and little bits by little bits. And now I look back and think 14 years, I can't even imagine being that person anymore, right? I know the answers not all the answers. We don't, no one ever knows all the answers to everything. But now I work really hard to be that resource 
for the other person, for the other person who doesn't feel like they belong. And they come into the mosque and they look lost and confused and helping women, especially converts, understand how this all works, right? So when we're starting a practice, think of those who want to run a marathon. We talk about this a lot. I'm not a runner, don't love running. But to be honest, between my two children, before I, right at the same time, actually, when Zane was like three and a half, um, one of my friends was training for an Iron Girl marath- um, triathlon. And I was like, well, I want to do that. Even though at that point I weighed 350 pounds and I thought really, what in the heck was I doing? But I don't exercise for the concept of exercise. Like it needs to be towards something. So when you're training for an iron girl, I don't know if this is the case anymore, you get a training schedule. So it would say, okay, um, this was like a 60 day ramp up or whatever the case was. So day one, walk this far. Day two, swim this far. Day three, swim and then bike, whatever the case was. It was little incremental steps so that you aren't on day one thinking about the fact that you're going to run three miles. Well, first you're going to swim a hundred yards or a hundred, I can't remember how far with everyone kicking in your face and so forth, you're going to come out, you're going to then, I think it was run three miles and then bike 10 miles or whatever the case was. I don't know about you, but if I would have focused on that, I would never, ever have started. So I had to just look at what is on day one on this schedule. What's my first step? And I was modeling my friend Jenny, who was already doing this. And I'm like, if she can do this, I can do this. And let me just do the steps. Let me just do the steps. Um, And I ran three miles. I got to that runner's high. I do know that it exists. I just choose not to look for it anymore. I swam like four times a week. I really... I felt amazing during that time. And to be able to do it like every day, I didn't have to think about it. It just was, this is what you do today. It's like how Couch to 5K is an amazing program. It gets you off the couch and running a 5K without you even realizing that, oh my gosh, every day you're getting that much stronger. And then you get to that finish line at that 5K, and then you look back to that lady who was sitting on the couch, and you're like, I don't even, I can't even remember being that person. That's what a practice does. It transforms you in such small incremental steps that you are able to make it happen And then you come out on the other side and you're like, what in the actual heck? I don't even recognize myself. I am feeling it. I am connected. I am doing this. 
This is what I want every woman to do, is to not be afraid to start something new. As an adult, starting over is hard. Think of your children when they came home, if they decided they were going to play an instrument. Both of my boys played instruments. One still does. And the first day we brought that trombone home and he was like making noise in it because it was not music. It was noise. And I was like, holy hell, like, I don't think I'm going to live through this. Right. And now he is the section leader of the trombone section of his marching band, and he actually makes beautiful music. How did he do that? He practiced. It's easy to say to our kids, oh, you're in karate, you need to practice. Oh, you're taking the viola. That was short-lived here in this house. You need to practice. But we aren't so good about the practicing, because we think that we should be perfect from the start, and we're not going to be. We don't expect our children to pick up the viola and be able to play in the symphony. So why do we think that if we're going to start a yoga practice, that we are going to be able to stand on our heads? It's, it's not possible. It is possible someday just not on day one. Now in my life, I can go into the mosque, which now we have a mosque that's walking distance from my house and I'm on the board. And so I went from a complete fish out of water, didn't know what she was doing, why she was doing it and did not have any sense of belonging in the practice to now serving on the board, being the voice for the other women within the mosque, being there to greet women for our women's programming, making sure that they all feel that sense of belonging, even if it's their first time there. I help women learn how to pray. I now, it's kind of like medical school or how at least they talked about it on Grey's Anatomy. You learn it, you do it, you teach it. So for your practice, first you need to decide what it is that you need more of and then find a practice that will help get you there. Do you need more time? Do you need a practice around time blocks, setting a highlight, using a tickler file, setting priorities, using a timer? Do you need more creativity? Do you need practice around creating a a daily creative practice, finding a new hobby, being being more exploratory in cooking and in dressing and so forth. Do you need more energy? Do you need to practice around yoga? 
mindfulness, centering, being in nature, and or meditation. First decide what you need more of. Then pick a practice. Then pick someone to mimic. Do you need a group? Do you need a class? Do you need to find a friend? This is an idea also from James Clear in Atomic Habits, is that you start to pretend to be. This is how I became a morning person. What does a morning person do? They get up early. They have their tea hot while no one is awake. They do these things. I just started doing those. And now I'm a morning person. Okay? So, but you have to find someone, something to mimic so that you understand what you need to do. You need to, before anything else, accept the fact that you're going to suck at it. I have my very first podcast was How Starting is Hard. I'll put the link in this week's show notes. It's going to be hard and it's going to be, you're going to suck at it. Your first yoga class, you're going to fall over. You're going to feel muscles that you've never felt before. And the next day you won't probably be able to walk. But if you keep going, you'll be amazed at your transformation. Then you need to make it a priority and a practice is most effective when it is a daily practice. You don't have to do 90-minute yoga classes every single day. You could take two 90-minute classes a week and then do 10 minutes every other day. We do the things that we schedule. Doctor's appointments, they go in our calendar. Meetings, they go in our calendar. Children's activities go in our calendar so that we never let those balls drop. I want you to get out your calendar and set time for yourself to do your practice and look at practice as play. Think of this as part of transformation. That's the only way that you're going to get through to the other side. And I want you, you're in the learn it, right? You're in your learn it and do it. And someday the goal is to be the teacher, to be that person that someone's mimicking, the person who is, has more answers than the newbie. That's our goal, my friends. The Daily Practice Community reopens on April 1st with the Galleries of More. This is what we're going to do all together is go on a journey to your more, more time, more energy, more creativity, more clarity, more connection, more confidence, because that's really confidence is what we need. Confidence is what I lacked on that first day that I went into that mosque. And it is what I have when I leave the mosque today.